You are now listening to the Bayshore Community Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God, connect to people, and to serve the community. Thank you for joining us today and wherever you are listening. We hope that this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Our prayer is that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, Bayshore. Good to see everybody. It's so good you're here this morning. We're so thankful that you're here and you came through the cold weather and everything. So we're really, really glad to see you guys this morning. And let's welcome our online family. We're so grateful that you're watching and people are listening. Hundreds of people from all over the area. Thank you for listening. And we want to welcome our Femica Island campus, and we just love you guys and just so grateful that we're all together today in many different locations doing this today. But thank you for being here, and we're excited about today. We're in a series called Do the Opposite, and we've been talking in this series about sometimes we need to tweak things a little bit, things are a little off, and then there's other things in our life that we did in 2021 that were just so far off that we need to do the complete opposite. And we talked about anxiety, you know, trusting the Lord instead of being anxious. We've been talking about, you know, how to, instead of holding grudges, forgiving this year. And so today we're going to be talking about a really, really intense subject. We're going to be talking today about depression. Not letting our emotions, our negative emotions, take over our life. Uh, And so this year, instead of just letting that that darkness, that uh, depression just take us further and further down, learning to resist resist that and do the opposite and not submit to it. So we're going to be talking about that today. And I thought instead of me telling like an opening story today, I thought I would do a little illustration to begin with. And so I'm going to ask Jody Monroe to come up here. Jody Monroe is on our staff. Jody is uh, our guest director and we just love Jody. And uh, so Jody, I don't know if you know this about Jody. Jody is uh, one of the most important people at Bayshore here. She just loves people. And if you love Jody, give her a big hand. Everybody loves Jody. Well, listen, the thing about Jody is, is that Jody is, uh, you know, outgoing, everybody loves Jody and everything, but Jody has this thing, and her thing is she loves to arm wrestle. In fact, she's a big arm wrestler, and uh, maybe some of you have arm wrestled Jody. You know, she will pull people off the street and arm wrestle them. <laughs> And so, Jody, you like arm wrestle men and women, right? And let me ask you this. You've meeting some men before, right? Yes, I have. Uh, Okay, yeah. So I thought, you know, listen, I wanted to kind of illustrate the importance of resisting, resisting depression coming on you. So Jody and I are going to arm wrestle. Now, you're welcome. (laughs) You're welcome to root for Jody if you want to. You know, I'm not sure the Lord's going to bless you if you do that, but you can do that. Um. but Jody, you have any concerns about employment issues if you were to beat me? Is there anything like that going on? Well, I, I don't know about you, Pastor Danny, but the Lord my God is my strength. Oh my gosh, how about that? I don't have a chance. I don't have a chance after that. My goodness. But if jo- I lose, it's all me. Oh, wow. So I emailed Jody. I said, hey, Jody, you want to arm wrestle in front of the church? She said, may the best Christian win. That's what she said. So we'll see. So Jody and I are going to arm wrestle. And this is what we need to do with our emotions. We need to resist the pressure of just giving in to our emotions. So listen, you're welcome to root for Jody. Cheer if you want to cheer for me. You know, whoever you want to cheer for. Family Island, I hope you're cheering for me, you know. Uh, I know people are going to be worse, uh, worse, uh, cheering for Jody here. So Jody, we're going to get up here and do it. And uh, I don't know, we'll just like lock arms here. 
and, uh, and, and I'm going to have you guys say one, two, three, go. Okay, you ready? And then we're going to go for it. Are we supposed to do this here? Okay, you ready? You sure you're up to this, Jody? May the Lord help you with this. Oh, my goodness. Wow, you didn't let me win, did you? <laughs> wow, you have no idea how strong she is. That's amazing. Well, can I say one thing? Yes, Pastor? you can. We are honored in our audience. We have a gal here, Miss Terry. If you would stand up, Miss Terry. She is the Maryland, was the Maryland State Women's Arm Wrestling Champion. Wow, no kidding. <laughs> so... You're next, Miss Terry. That's right. I didn't know there was a. God, man, that's amazing. Well, thank you, Jody. Give Jody another big hand. That was fun. Thank you, thank you. Well, I want to talk about uh, depression today. And uh, the whole thing about depression is here's the thing I believe about depression I think there are some people that rarely get depressed that rarely get depressed. There's probably some people out there today is when we talk about depression, you're like, what in the world? What's wrong with people? That, it, you know, you should just like, it should be so easy. But yet the truth is there are some people I think that really struggle with depression, that things kind of get really bleak and get down, they get down. And I think particularly in the wintertime when everything's gray and it's cold and the leaves are gone off the trees, and the sky is gray. In fact, there's one theory that we struggle with depression because we don't get enough sunlight. In the wintertime, some people struggle with depression. So maybe that's you, maybe you're struggling with that, but I wanna say this, you know, depression is not anything we should be ashamed of. And here's what C.S. Lewis says. C.S. Lewis is this really bright, apologetic guy from Oxford many years ago. He said, mental pain is less dramatic than physical pain, but is more common and also harder to bear. The frequent attempt to conceal mental pain increases the burden. Is it easier, is it easier to say, it is easier to say my tooth is aching than to say my heart is broken. Now one of the things that's happening today is that people are getting more open about their mental struggles. And I think that's really, really good. Because for many years, you know, if you have a broken arm or if you had, you know, something wrong with you physically, everybody got that. They understood that. But if you had an emotional pain, emotional darkness that you struggle with, then that was something that people weren't able to own outright. And I think it's a good thing we've become more open. Now, I want to just uh, give you some things, if you struggle with depression, to give you a little comfort in the fact that many, many people struggle with depression. A lot of people struggle with depression. In fact, famous people in history, Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill would literally be uh, paralyzed and in bed for weeks. And he uh, called depression his black dog, the black dog that would show up from time to time. And maybe you've experienced that. Maybe you know what that is, that black dog that shows up. And, and Winston Churchill was talking to his wife, Clementine, one time. And Clementine had found out about this particular doctor from Germany that was especially good at helping with depression. And 
Churchill said to his wife, Clementine, I think that doctor may be helpful to me if the black dog comes back. So maybe you've experienced the black dog. You know about the black dog. You've experienced that. Abraham Lincoln was another one. I don't know if you know this, but Abraham Lincoln had two nervous breakdowns. Two nervous breakdowns. One, when he was in his 20s, uh, he had fallen in love with this girl from Kentucky, and she uh, unexpectedly died. And uh, Abraham Lincoln literally went into a mental breakdown where he was just completely uh, immobilized because of that. There's a famous preacher uh, that uh, if you're a Christian uh, and you go to seminary, you all have to, everybody has to read Charles Spurgeon. Charles, Charles Spurgeon wrote a book called Lectures to My Students, and there's a chapter in the book entitled Feigning Fits, where he talks about how he struggled with depression and how certain preachers, as they go through the ministry, struggle with depression. And he was known for that. And sometimes his deacons would have to encourage him to even go out on the stage to preach. And he preached to thousands of people. But Spurgeon suffered with, uh, with depression. Here's what he wrote. He said, you may be surrounded with all the comforts of life and yet be in wretchedness more gloomy than death if the spirits are depressed. You may have no outward cause whatever for sorrow, and yet if the mind is dejected, the brightest sunshine will not revive your gloom. There are times when our, all our evidences get clouded and all our joys are fled. Though we may still cling to the cross, yet it, was a, it, yet it is with a desperate grasp. He also wrote, God's people, God's people sometimes walk in darkness and see no light. There are times when the best and brightest saints have no joy. So that's an incredible, uh, incredible Christian leader in the 1900s that struggled himself with depression and admitted that people struggled with depression, even people that knew the Lord. Now here's some, maybe some modern figures that maybe you're a little more familiar with. How about Dwayne Johnson? Anybody know who Dwayne Johnson is, a, the famous actor? A lot of people say to me that I'm, I'm built a lot like Dwayne Johnson's. <laughs> Uh, but uh, James Johnson, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, he recently opened up to The Express, which is a British newspaper, and said that he struggles with depression, that he struggles with depression, and he actually saved his mother from a suicide attempt when he was 15 years old. So because of that, he has had this struggle with depression all his life, and he takes medication for depression. Lady Gaga is another. A lot of people know Lady Gaga, uh, who, her, who some of her great hits are paparazzi and poker face. Uh, she said she's dealt with depression and anxiety all our life. And she says, if we share our stories and stick together, we're stronger. This is a really interesting one for me. Michael Phelps, who's the great swimmer, Michael Phelps, he's won 28 gold medals, 28 gold gold or Olympic medals not all of them are gold but 28 medals and he suffered depression a big uh, bout of depression in 2004 uh, after the Olympic Games and then 2012 at the Olympic Games he won four gold uh, medals that that year and two silvers and then after the 2012 Olympics he went into this deep depression where he stayed in his room for three to five days and didn't want to live. 
Now, that's Michael Phelps. Now, Spurgeon, interesting, just going back to Spurgeon for a minute, Spurgeon says sometimes people experience great depression after times of great achievement. After something significant has happened in their life, a great victory, sometimes they have a downturn after that. For, for us, it may be we finished building our dream home. We may have made some great achievement. Sometimes after a great achievement, depression follows that. And so Michael Phelps struggled with that, and uh, he's very open. Uh, Michael Phelps struggled with uh, marijuana and all that, and some of that is self-coping mechanisms to deal with his depression. Christine Bell, I'm not sure if you know who Christine Bell is. Christine Bell is the voice behind Anna in the movie Frozen, and she has struggled with depression since she was in college. And she says this, there's nothing weak about struggling with mental illness. Now, here's another one, Bruce Springsteen. How many know who Bruce Springsteen is? Bruce Springsteen has struggled with depression, not so much in his earlier life, but when he got into his 60s. When he got into his 60s, he began to struggle with depression in his 60s. Sometimes I think people that, as you begin to age, uh, there's that sense of your own mortality, and you look at your body, and your body begins to not be what it used to be, and uh, so Bruce Springsteen struggled with depression in his 60s, and he said that sometimes his depression was so great he couldn't get out of bed. And here's what he said. It's like the thing that engulfs you. I got to where I didn't want to get out of bed. And he uh, said his, his ability to cope with the depression he was going through was from his wife, Patty. His wife, Patty, said to him, if you're going, you're going to be okay, maybe not today, or tomorrow, but it's going to be all right. I like that. Gwen Paltro. Gwen Paltrow is a famous actress who I like. I like whenever she's in a movie, she's extremely good. Uh, she struggled with postpartum depression after her second child, Moses, was born, and she went into this depression, and she felt very numb. And that she also, after her father died in 2002, she went into clinical depression. J.K. Rollins, who wrote uh, the uh, Harry Potter books, uh, struggled with depression while she was writing Harry Potter and struggled with that. And uh, she said, you know, that she really struggled uh, with that. And she felt, here's what she said about depression. She said, depression is not simply sadness, but it's a hollow feeling inside, a hollow feeling where you don't have any feelings. And then uh, Sheryl Crow, uh, the great singer, Sheryl Crow, I like her music. Uh, Sheryl Crow, uh, she went through, she had uh, breast cancer, she had a brain tumor, and uh, she said she always had a sense of melancholy, always had a sense of sadness. Uh, and she said when she was a child, she played the piano just to feel something. So you all had that numbness that she dealt with. Here's an interesting one. Terry Bradshaw. Anybody know who Terry Bradshaw is? He was a famous quarterback, you know, for the uh, uh, Steelers. And, uh, but Terry Bradshaw struggled with depression, and he said he went undiagnosed for years. Uh, and uh, in the 90s, the 1990s, he got some treatment, and he realized that he has been struggling with depression. Uh, and uh, he came out openly uh, this famous commentator that he uh, struggled with depression so that he felt like him coming out openly would help other people. One more. I, there's lots of them, but let me give you one more. Uh, this is an interesting one. Jim Carrey. 
Jim Carrey, the famous uh, actor, uh, and uh, the Grinch, Ace Ventura, the liar. How many know who Jim Carrey is? Funniest guy in the world. Funny, funny guy. And you'll find, this is not always the case, Jerry Seinfeld denies this, but you'll find that some of the funniest people have the greatest pain inside. A lot of times there's a tragic flaw and sadness in people that are funny. And uh, so uh, Jim Carrey uh, struggled with depression, and he is on uh, antidepressants, and uh, he's dealing with that, and he says that he's, uh, he doesn't drink coffee, uh, and he's trying to live a very uh, pure life, and uh, he wants to enjoy life because he says life is beautiful. So I, want, I said all that to say this, that a lot of people struggle with depression, a lot of famous people, people that are really accomplished in life. So it's very, very common for people to struggle with depression. Sometimes just knowing, you know, I think what happens to us as we go through uh, the dark tunnel of depression, that we feel like that we're the only one, that, you know, something's wrong with us. But the truth is many, many people struggle with depression. I wouldn't dare ask you to raise your hand this morning. But if we were to take a, a vote in this audience today, how many people struggle with depression? A lot of people would say that. So let me give you a, a verse of scripture that I think is really cool. Uh, Psalm 42. Uh, by the way, if you're struggling with depression and sadness, one of the greatest places to go in the Bible is the Psalms. The Psalms are prayers, and they're very, very honest Psalms. Uh, some of the greatest saints, uh, David and Moses, write the Psalms, and they talk about their struggles. And here is uh, Psalm 42 is actually a psalm. The background for this psalm is, is, the, uh, is the king of Israel. The king, there's a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. The king of Israel had come against uh, the, the south, and there was this, the king of Judah was Amaziah. And Amaziah had got his army together, and then King Johash from the north came, and he came and he invaded the, uh, the, the area of Judah and captured Jerusalem and took hostages into the north. So that's the background of the psalm. And one of the hostages they took was a man by the name of Korah that was the worship leader. He was the worship leader uh, in the temple, and he's in a place that he doesn't want to be. He's in the north. He's in a situation he doesn't want to be in, and he's struggling with depression. Let me ask you this. How many have ever been in a place in life that you don't want to be in? And so here's what, that's the background for the psalm. And here's what he says in the psalm here. He says this. He said, as the deer pants for the water streams, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Here's what he says. This man that's in a place that he doesn't want to be. My tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? Verse 4, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. He remembers how he used to be in Jerusalem, how he led people into worship, into the temple. And then he says in verse 5, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep in the roars of the waterfalls, and all your waves 
all your ways I will remember. And then uh, it says by verse 8, by day the Lord directs his love and night his song is with me, a prayer to God of my life. And then verse 9, I will say to God, I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning oppressed by the enemy? And then he says in verse 11, why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And then verse 43, chapter 43 is the same thing, just repeated. Those two psalms were together. So we see in Psalm 42 and Psalm 43 that this person is struggling. Their soul is downcast. Their soul is downcast. And notice how in the psalm, if you look at it, how the author of the psalms is talking about the condition of his emotions. And he's saying to his emotion, put your hope in the Lord. Put your hope in the Lord. And he is actually giving instruction to his emotions. Now, one of the things that we need to remember is that when we're in a funk and we're under darkness, it's so easy to just give ourselves to that emotion and to just feel like we're a victim to those emotions. But the Psalms teach us that this uh, author of the Psalm, he said, put your hope in God. He's talking to his emotions. He's talking to those feelings inside, and he is giving orders to those emotions inside of him. So one of the first things we need to do is we need to remember that our emotions are not supposed to be our master. They're supposed to be our servant. Our emotions are not supposed to be in charge. They're supposed to serve us. So when you think about, when you start getting down, and you start getting depressed and you get you know, into that downward spiral where those thoughts just kind of go further and further down. One of the things you need to do is you need to remember that you are not a victim, but that you and I can speak to our emotions as the psalmist says, uh, why are you cast down my soul? Put your hope in the Lord. Put your hope in the Lord. So that's the first step. The first step is to recognize that you need to talk to yourself. You need to talk to yourself. You need to have a conversation with your emotions. You need to say, emotions, you're down. You're discouraged. I get that. But put your hope in the Lord. The Lord has not forgotten you. And I want you to know that today. The Lord has not forgotten you. It's so easy for your emotions to take over. I remember when uh, I used to have these two Labrador dogs. I had, uh, I had a yellow lab and a black lab, and the yellow lab was Sunny, and the black lab was, was Mac. And sometimes I would go jogging, and I would put a leash on Mac. Mac's the one that liked to go jogging with me. So I put a leash on this black lab, and, 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 and Mac was a big lab. He had a big head. He had a big body, and he just had full of energy. And I would go running down the road, and sometimes I'd wear my sunglasses. I looked like a blind man out there jogging, you know? Had a C&I dog with him, you know? But I'm running, and Mac is so full of energy that, that Mac is pulling me down the road. And he's yanking on that leash, and he's pulling that leash. And I'm, I'm just having to hang on because he's pulling me at the pace he wants me to go and where he wants me to go. And I had to yank back on that, that leash, I had to yank on that leash and get Mac to come back and heal and run beside me. And your emotions are like that. Your emotions want to go ahead and your emotions want to dictate uh, how you feel and what you're thinking. 
And, and, and if you look at the Psalms closely, you'll see that, that, that the psalmist, when they're struggling with their, with their depression and they're struggling with emotions, they actually speak to their emotions and they say, emotions, you know, my soul, why are you downcast? Put your hope in the Lord. Every once in a while, you need to just say to yourself, you know, Lord, you know, I'm going through a hard time. Lord, things aren't so good right now, but you're with me. You'll never leave me. You'll never forsake me. If all things work together for good for those that love the Lord. And you need to begin to say, Jeremiah 29 says, these are the plans I have for you to bless you and to prosper you. So you have to speak to yourself and speak to your emotions because your emotions, if you let them take off and lead you, they'll be like Mac leading you down the road. So say this with me. My emotions are to be my servant, not my master. Now, that's an important principle. So when I get down and get discouraged and get in that little dark place, I have to realize that I'm letting my emotions call the shots. And I need to take authority over my emotions and speak to my emotions. And that's what the psalmist says here. And let me read it for you one, one more time, that one verse that, that, uh, that makes so much sense. Verse 11 why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. So sometimes, here's what we need to remember. Sometimes we need to do the exact opposite of what we feel like doing when we're depressed. We need to do the exact opposite of what we think we need, to, what we feel like doing when we're depressed. So the worst thing you can do, the worst thing I could do, is that when we're depressed... To kind of look at this where, you know, uh, here's what you want to do when you get depressed. You want, to, you want to get your comforter. You want to get your blanket. You want to curl up on the couch. You want to put some sad songs on, some Karen Carpenter songs. And you want to sing Rainy Days and Mondays Always Get Me Down. And you want to pull away from people. You don't want to be with anybody. And what you want to do, what you feel like doing when you're depressed is the, is, the, is, is the opposite of what you should do. So instead of running away from people, if you look at Elijah in uh, 1 Kings 19, when he got depressed, he pulled away from, from everybody and he left his servant in Beersheba and he went into the wilderness and sat under a broom tree. So when you're depressed, you don't want to run from people, you want to run to people. Instead of getting away and, you know, sitting by yourself in a dark room, you want to you go out and have lunch with somebody. You want to go out and you want to you go talk to somebody. You want to drink some coffee with somebody. Because when you are depressed, don't follow the dictates of your emotions. You know, sometimes when you're depressed, you don't want to get dressed. You don't want to, you, don't wanna, uh, you know, put your clothes on. You just got those, you know, the, the old nightgown on with a big egg stain on the front. And your hair's all disheveled if you have hair. You know what? You need, you need to get dressed. You need to put your makeup on. Not the guys. Don't put the makeup on. You want to put your makeup on? You want to put your earrings in? You want to get dressed? You want to call somebody? Because you don't want to run from people because that will increase your depression. You want to run toward people. Say this with me, all of us need people when we feel sad. Very, very important thing for us to do. 
Um, so don't let your emotions dictate. Don't, they're not to be your master. They're to be your servant. Why are you cast down, my soul? Put your hope in the Lord. You want to run toward people, not away from people. And you want to make sure that you fill yourself with God's word. That you fill yourself with God's word. Now, I, read the, I got ready for the sermon this morning and looked over my notes and all that. And before I came down here, I opened my Bible and I read my two Old Testament, two New Testament, my Proverbs. I read, I read the Bible every day. I put the word in my heart because I know that the book of Ephesians says this. The book of Ephesians says that, uh, that, that we should put on the full armor of God that we may resist the, the, the devil on, the, on that evil day. Now, I don't know when the evil day is. I don't know when the real day of temptation is going to come. I don't know when the real day of challenge is going to come, but I know there's a day coming when the enemy is going to attack me mentally. So I put the armor on. No, I watched the football game last night. I am still grieving over the Packers losing last night, but I watched the football game, and I noticed there wasn't one football player on that field that were putting their uniform on when they were in the, in the game. They put their uniform on before the game started. So this morning when I was reading the word, I was reading the word and I was getting the armor. I was putting the breastplate of righteousness on. I was putting the helmet of salvation on. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, it says in Ephesians chapter 6. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That means that I'm filling my heart with God's word so when the enemy comes to discourage me and says, you're done with, you're so bad, the Lord doesn't love you, you've messed up, you're no good, you're just, you're getting old, you're ugly, it's not going to work, you're not going to, and when the devil says that, the Holy Spirit will take a word that I put in my heart, the spirit, the sword of the spirit, the Lord will give something and I will begin to use that word against the enemy and the enemy will not be able to uh, overwhelm me. So the word you have to fill, we have to fill our hearts with God's word. God's word is one of the greatest keys to overcoming uh, depression. Very, very important thing for us to do, to get our hearts filled with God's word. When the enemy tempts me, how many here here have ever been tempted by the the enemy since you've been a follower of Jesus? Just raise your hand, all of you raise your hand if you've been tempted. I think you've been tempted. I hope you have been tempted. If you're not, we need to have your funeral this week because you're dead. But when the enemy tempts me, I always I have a verse. I have a verse in my heart. Romans 13, 13. Uh, be sober as in the day, not in darkness. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and do not provide for the needs of the flesh. And I have that in my heart. Anytime the enemy tempts me, I always quote that verse. So when you think about how do I overcome depression, one of the things we do is we need to put the word of the Lord in our hearts. And we got this great 40-day challenge where we're reading the word. And that's not just to check it off the list, but that's to get our hearts filled with God's word so that we can stand against the adversary. And here's, what, here's how the word works when you're depressed. They say that a pilot, when he's flying an airplane, can get vertigo. That means that the pilot may have disorientation not knowing which way he's flying the pilot may feel like he's flying upside down or the plane is flying sideways 
And how is the pilot to uh, deal with that sense of vertigo? They say that the pilot is supposed to look at the instruments because the instruments will not lie. The instruments say he's flying right side up. And regardless of how he feels, the instruments tell him the truth. When you feel sad and you feel lost and you feel like God doesn't love you and you feel like God has left you and you feel like there's no hope for you, when you feel like there's no future and that God's not really there, when you feel that, that feeling is not a reliable feeling. You have to look at the instruments and the instruments say that he loves you, that he will never leave you and he will never forsake you, that he has a plan for your life, that you can never mess up so bad that he cannot forgive you. That's what his word says. And the vertigo that you feel in your emotions is not accurate, but what God's word says is true. So how do you deal with depression? You deal with it by not letting your emotions be the master You deal with it by running toward people, not away from people. You deal with it by filling your heart with God's word. You deal with it sometimes by, sometimes people need some medication. And Christians sometimes worry about that. They wonder, is it it okay to take medication if you're extremely depressed? Now, here's what I know about about, uh, depression. Sometimes depression... Gentle depression is something that just talking about it and filling your heart with the word is going to fix. Sometimes there's something wrong in our chemistry in our mind. We don't have enough dopamine. We don't have enough serotonin. And we need something medically to help us. Now you say, well, Pastor Danny, you know, do Christians, should, should Christians do that? Well, I just have to say that I'm wearing a pair of glasses right now. And I'm wearing a pair of glasses because when I take my glasses off, there's nobody in church anymore. I don't know where you guys are. And I put my glasses on because my glasses help me see. And we live in a fallen world. Our bodies have been affected by the fall. And sometimes our minds, our brain chemistry has been affected by the fall of man. And we need a little bit of help. Now, some of you here this morning take cholesterol medication. Some of you do, and some of you don't. Some of you take, uh, you know, have other ways of dealing with that. And uh, I believe that sometimes, I've had Christians tell me before, they feel so bad about, you know, should they take some medication? They've been depressed for years and all that. And uh, what I do know from working with people for over 40 years, that there are some people that there's, there's a chemical issue that they need some help. And there's nothing at all wrong with that if you're a follower of Jesus. Nothing at all wrong with that. Just like I wouldn't condemn you for wearing a pair of glasses because there's something faulty wrong with your eyes. There's nothing wrong with a person takes some medication. I had this guy come to me for counseling for years. I mean, he came for years. He came for years to see me. came in. He had high anxiety issues. And I don't know if you know this, but anxiety, anxiety and anger are closely related. In fact, when people are angry and they have uh, anger episodes, it's usually because they're afraid of something. And so if you've got somebody with high anxiety, they're going to have anger issues as well. So he had this, uh, he had anxiety and he had real anger issues with his kids and with his wife and his wife and kids were in to see me and he was in and he was in to see me for years, for years. We counseled him and you know, gave him scripture, laid hands on him, prayed on him, you know, did everything, went to the house when he was going off and all that. 
And finally, he went, he went to, uh, had him go to a psychiatrist. He went to a psychiatrist. He went to a psychiatrist, I think on his own. And he got a little red pill. A little red pill that helped him with his anxiety. And he took that little pill every day. And uh, it was a miracle. It was a miracle. It helped him with his anxiety. And because his anxiety was alleviated, his anger dissipated, and he was in a good place. So when you think about your life, if you've been struggling with this type of thing for a long time, make sure you use all the tools available to help you get through that. Now, I, I did have a scripture for this whole thing about taking medication. And uh, it's an interesting story in the book of Isaiah. It says that, uh, I, it says that Hezekiah, Hezekiah was ill and he was going to die. And Isaiah the prophet came and said, put your house in order, uh, you're going to die. And then uh, Hezekiah prayed for the Lord to sustain him and keep him. And so Isaiah was walking out, going across the courtyard, and the Lord spoke to him, go back to Isaiah and tell him you'll give him 15 more years. And Isaiah went to him and he said, in verse 7 of 1 Kings 20, then Isaiah said, prepare a poultice of figs. So they brought it and applied it to the boil, and Hezekiah recovered. So there was something physically wrong with Hezekiah, and there was a poultice of figs that was applied to what was wrong with him, and God healed him. So say this with me. God uses all, th- all kinds of things to help us and to heal us. Now, I'm not saying everybody needs to run out and do that, but if you've struggled incessantly with that, if you struggle incessantly with depression, then there's certainly a place for that, for the Lord to help us. And the last thing I want to say to you, make sure you don't give up hope when you're struggling with depression. Make sure you don't give up hope when you're struggling with depression. Psalm 30, verse 5, For his anger endureth for a moment, but his favor is for life. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Say it with me. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Now, some of you have heard me tell the story. I talked to Karen about this, if, if, if I could tell this story. and I've told this story before. When Karen was in her 40s, uh, Karen went through a depression. And uh, Karen... Uh, is not a depressed person. I mean, she is like the most optimistic person. I'm the melancholy in our family. Uh, I'm the melancholy. I'm the one that struggles with this kind of thing. Karen's not that person. She's up. She's happy. She's practical. You hang out with Karen. She's smart. She's wise. She lives everything I preach. You know, I'm preaching it and trying to live it, and she's living it. And, uh, but when, we, when she was in her 40s, Karen went into this depression and she was really struggling emotionally, and I'd never seen her like that before. She had never had depression before. And uh, we talked, we prayed, sought counsel. And what happened to Karen as she understood, began to understand her depression, our boys were adolescents. They'd gone into their uh, uh, teenage years, and Karen had been the, the optimal mother. And all of her identity was wrapped up in, in those boys. 
And the boys didn't need her anymore. The boys were now looking to me as the dad, and her role had kind of declined. And because of her identity, her identity was, was just, she was confused about her identity. She went into depression. We also had several people in the church that died of cancer that she was close to. So it was a number of things that came together. So Karen was dealing with depression for about a year and a half, and she was just really sad, and I'd never seen her like that. She lost a lot of weight. Uh, she was just really, really, really sad, and, uh, and she just did her thing and all that, but she was really sad. And we had a group of ladies in the church that are here. Some of them are here this morning that came over almost weekly and prayed for Karen. And she just pulled out of that. It ended. And as far as I know, she hasn't been depressed since. Um, and she's just, uh, she's just, she went through that. But here's what I wanted. I tell you that story to say that everybody, everybody sometimes goes through depression. And the Lord is able to help us to get through it. And he still has us in his hands. And it is not hopeless. It is never hopeless. Regardless of what you feel, Regardless of what you feel inside, it's not the final commentary on what God is doing in your life because God loves you and cares for you. And um, say this with me, weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. So I want to I ask you right now, I want to ask you to lift your hands, and I believe the Holy Spirit has brought some people here this morning for this message. Uh, and we're just praying for the Lord to help you to lift you up, that this winter is not going to be a winter of darkness and sadness, and you're not going to be overwhelmed. You're going to put the word of the Lord in your heart. You're going to put the Lord's, in your, the Lord's word in your, in your mind. And Father, as we lift our hands to you, we thank you that you're liberating and helping people right now, that we're not to just surrender to our feelings like the arm wrestling. We're to resist it. We're resist it. We're to stand up with the word. We're to stand up with our words, speak into our emotions. Lord, we're to deal with every tool that you've given us to get better so we can be full of joy, and full of the joy of the Lord. And we thank you, God, that you're giving peace and you're giving joy and you're giving deliverance and you're giving help to people. We just call on the Holy Spirit right now to come and fill our hearts and fill our minds and, and fill our perspectives. Lord, change our perspectives. Change our perspectives, Lord. Some people have walked through some really hard things recently, and we're grateful, regardless of what they walk through, that you're with them, that you will keep them and uphold them with your hand. We thank you for your love and your mercy. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Bayshore Podcast. I want to encourage you to take this message you just received and allow it to go deep into your soul and let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thanks to everyone that gives generously to Bayshore. It's because of you that this ministry is possible, creating life change all over the world. You can be a part of spreading the message around the world by going to bayshore.online and clicking give. For all things Bayshore, visit bayshore.online to find out what your next step may be. You can subscribe right here and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.